0: In the name of our Lord Jesus who went all the way down to Egypt land and farther, went all the way to the cross, all the way to hell itself in order to declare you and me to be free. Fellow heirs of the freedom of Christ and also fellow fellow givers of the worth and dignity and freedom that Christ has given, not only to us but desiring to give it to the world through us. My dear friends, I have gotta tell you what a terrible time it is to talk about racial issues. Everybody's nerves are scraped raw, aren't they? I can hardly make myself look at the TV, read stuff online, I can't hardly make myself read new articles of angry people, people angry at injustices that they have seen, angry on the streets, chanting angrily and making demands, people angry at the looting and the trashing. There's going to be a backlash coming in some kind of way. Maybe it's a backlash of Boogaloo's um, toting their weapons and making threats. Maybe it's a backlash of businesses simply giving up on cities. Maybe the backlash will be that Target and Walmart are never going to reopen in Chicago, no matter how much Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is begging them not to give up on Chicago. Maybe they're going to say, we can't do business in this loony bin if you can't protect us from looters We're gone. Maybe that backlash is going to be white people running again and the trickle of white flight is going to become another gusher and white people are just going to be heading north and west until there's no more urban issues to worry about. They're going to hide again and run away again, just like they did in 1967 when the riots tore up Third Street, now King Drive, in Milwaukee. doesn't matter whether you're black or white, when you stick your foot into these issues, it's so easy to say the wrong thing, isn't it? I'm shaking like a leaf right now because I don't know if any of you are going to hear racist things and things that I'm going to try to talk about. I can't help my perspective. As Brother Ron said a few minutes ago, I loved your introduction, Ron. He said none of us picked our family and he might as well have said none of us picked our race. We're assigned who we are. We're assigned who to be. We're given a job. It's like showing up in God's play and He hands you your script and you say, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm here to audition God for, you, for the play and in fact, I'd like to assist you in writing it. I'd like to, uh, especially a hand in writing the lines that affect my character and God says, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, here's, here's your role. Here's what you're assigned. Here are your gifts. Here's your family, here's your skin color, here's what your hair is gonna be like, and enjoy it now, guys. You may not have it long. Yet. It's, some of it's been taken away from us. And uh, enjoy the color it is now, because it, it's gonna change colors. Unless, of course, you go to a box or go see a nice lady who will help you have the color that you want. It's hard to talk about this stuff. On the other hand, what a perfect time to talk about race. When does our country need it more than now? And when has America, with all its sad past, all of its cruel past, and a past of, with so much injustice in it, when has America more needed Christians? And I don't mean phony Christianity, the kind that would dig around in the Bible trying to find ways to justify slavery. I mean the real Christian speaking the real word, drilling down to what God really has to say. I think we first of all got to get our own heads straight. God doesn't, can't use us if we're hiding and I get that because I want to hide right now. I want this all to go away and I want to pretend like the last six months didn't happen. I want George Floyd walking around again and Brianna Taylor hopefully making plans, wedding plans with her fiance. But we don't have that luxury. But when have we more needed Jesus and his wonderful word to bring about some healing? First, we need to be at peace with ourselves. Then we need to be at a loving peace with each other and then we can be useful in our communities, not running away, but sticking our face to be words of affirmation and kindness, words of humility and repentance, words giving forgiveness and asking forgiveness from one another, ears quicker to listen than flap in our mouths with angry, angry talk. A heart that actually is going to assume there's some goodness in this other person that seems to be making noise I can't stand or don't agree with, but they're trying to get after something and maybe aren't expressing it in the best possible way, but assuming some kindly intent in the other person, unless proven different. And it is our destiny, I guess, God assigned us to be living our lives whether as young people or as adults in a time when the political discourse is so bitter it's angry and getting angrier and until the November election it's just gonna there's gonna be a crescendo of political bitterness and it's gets harder and harder to talk with each other as though we're, we're rational and that there is more that binds us together than separates us and who better to be part of that conversation than Christians. After God has changed our hearts, rebuked us for our own racism within, rebuked us for our own bitterness, anger, and lack of forgiveness, rebuked us for our judgmental spirits, we've been healed and forgiven by Christ. Then we can do some good to the people in God's world. And I'd like to share with you today, uh, Juneteenth Day is, of course, always a day. It's all about freedom. And uh, we've been doing this for 29 years, but honestly, it's like new to me every year. I get excited about it every year because each year I'm a little better at imagining what the news must have been like to the slaves in Texas when they finally got the news. It obviously was not in their master's interest to tell them they'd been emancipated for two years already, two and a half years. Lincoln published the Emancipation Proclamation in September of 1862. So most of America hadn't known about it, and word, you know, the slaves were kept illiterate, they weren't reading about in newspapers, but they had a phenomenal network, a word of mouth network, I think they knew. The 13th Amendment outlawing slavery had been adopted by the United States Senate in 1864. People knew this was coming. Lee had surrendered in April of 1865, but still the slaves in Texas toiled on, but with the bright hope that freedom is coming. Freedom is coming. Yes, I know, freedom is coming. And it came in the form of a Union General whose ship and troops landed in Galveston Harbor on June 19th. And in my imagination, I can get a little, little piece of the excitement, incredulous joy. And the slaves did exactly what you think they would do. A third of them ran like crazy in case this was a scam. They wanted to get out while the getting was good. They evaporated and headed for the hills and disappeared. Maybe some of them went north, some of them went deep into the woods, into the hill country of Texas, and disappeared and just tried to blend in. Some of them didn't know any other life, at least on the farm where they were working, they could eat. So maybe they went back to negotiate a salary and hope he would give them a little bit of money enough to live on. That's what their homes and their families were there. Maybe they had too many kids to just take off. Maybe their children were small and so they had to try to negotiate a new life. And a third of them just thought, you know, this might all end tomorrow but we are going to celebrate our freedom tonight. And it gives me great pain to announce to you that we cannot reenact that part. Uh, We We can't have our barbecue this year because we can't do food service because of COVID. Next year, for our 30th anniversary, we'll put a little extra juice into it because we owe you one uh, from the missing ribs this year. But they built big fires and had a celebration of their freedom, and so do we. St. Paul talks about freedom in the book of Galatians. Galatians uh, is a, a book that you might find confusing. It's probably Paul's first letter. And the key of it is, the key to understanding everything in Galatians is that the first generation of Christians, who were almost all Jewish, of course, could not let go of their way of life, even as they embraced the concepts Paul was sharing, they could not stop their addiction to obedience to laws. They kind of ritualized the Old Testament laws of separation that were supposed to keep them from losing their faith. Instead, they became idols in themselves, meant to keep them from idolatry. The laws of circumcision, the laws of kosher food rules, the laws of separation and not intermarriage with the Gentiles around them became idolatrous in and of themselves. And Paul yelled at them. Galatians is a scolding letter. Paul called them fools. Foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? What are you thinking? Uh, you've been set free from being treated like children. You're grown ups now. Act like it. Embrace your freedom in Christ. You don't have to eat kosher anymore. You can if you want, but don't you dare lay that kind of guilt or pressure on somebody else. We are now free to associate with Gentiles. Eat their food and welcome them into your home. They aren't going to make you unclean. The rules of ritual uncleanness are over. Get over that and let it go. You love them too much. They have become your way of justifying yourself. You are not embracing forgiveness of Jesus Christ if you're still tormenting yourself with how you have to obey all these rules to get God to like you. Stop it! The gospel is that God declares you to be lovable, not has evaluated you to be lovable. Can you see the difference? Not if that makes sense, what I just said. Because if not enough people not I'm going to have to go over it again in a different way. You've got to help me out here. Okay, thanks. You get that. It's not about earning. It's about receiving. It's not what you must do for Jesus. It's, first of all, just shut up and listen to what Christ has done for you. You can't lift yourself up to him. He came down to you. Now, Galatians 5, verse 13, has a powerful statement. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. It is your destiny to be free. You were made to be free. God created Adam and Eve to be free. And here's the paradox. This seems like a head-scratcher, but I've talked to you about how the Bible's full of paradoxes. Uh, I hope I can lay this on you now without driving you crazy. It's one of the great things about being Lutheran is you can hold two conflicting opinions in your mind at the same time without going insane. It's a tremendous gift Martin Luther has given us, and I'd like to encourage your skill at being able to do that. Here's the thing. As you see your identity as God's creature built and designed by him, redeemed by Christ to be his child now obedient to God below God owing love affection and obedience to God makes you free and you're going to say wait a minute here if I'm subservient how can I be free and God says exactly you are Eve said I can't handle that conflict that intellectual conflict makes no sense to me I think the path to happiness and the path to freedom is to cut myself off from obedience to God's word and will. I believe I will only be fulfilled when I can do my own thing and be completely independent. And when Eve made that decision and then acted on it and enticed her husband uh, to follow along and do the same thing and he, like an idiot, followed her down that same road, she snapped chains on her wrists and ankles and became a slave that day. Thinking she was making a move for freedom, making a run for freedom, she actually committed spiritual suicide and handcuffed herself now to a broken willpower that no longer functioned the way it was designed, and was now enslaved to listening to Satan, had poisoned herself and her children Unfortunately, Eve's womb is now poisoned too, and every baby that came out of her womb was poisoned as well. With a broken willpower and now with a restless mind that was determined to be hostile to God. Chained also to death, mortality, human mortality, now began to dog them. They started to get sick, they invited disease into the planet, poisoned all of nature, the ultimate green disaster and then death stalked them as well. So in thinking she was going to be free, she became enslaved. Paul is telling us, do you want to be free? Free from the guilt of your sins, free also from the power it comes through Christ. Don't flee him a relationship with Christ, which includes obedience to his will, actually sets you free. sets you free from the fear of dying. and sets you free from the fear of being condemned forever in hell. It allows you to live a confident and joyful life and live in such a way that you're in alignment with your design. All you uh, carpenter-type people, I used to, in my earlier pastor days, would talk to the men at this point, but I've learned a few things. There's a lot of tool gals out here, too. So all you tool folks, whether you're male or female, you know that it doesn't make any sense to use a tool for something for which it's not designed. If there is a really nasty, stubborn nail and it's half rusty and you've got to get it out of a board, taking one of your measuring yardsticks is not going to help. That's not what that tool is made for. That is a measuring tool. It is not a get a rusty nail out of the board tool. You need a claw hammer or for the really big nasty ones, get that crowbar and get some leverage so you can yank that thing out. And as God's children, as we are aligned with God's intent, as our mind now aligns with his Our lives are going to get better because we're acting the way we were designed to act instead of fighting God and enduring all the frustration that comes when you and God are fighting in it, when God is a headwind in your face instead of in a tailwind carrying you along. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You were designed to be free. You were redeemed by the blood of Jesus to be free. You were converted by the Holy Spirit, not to become a marionette or a robot, but designed to be a child of God, growing up into a spiritual adult, making good decisions to honor your God. Why? Because you want to, not because you have to. So you were converted to freedom, and now you're sanctified and empowered for freedom. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. That's going back into the slavery. Rather, serve one another in love. So enjoy your freedom. Love it. Celebrate it. Thank Jesus for it every day. But live it as well. And here's how you live your freedom. By becoming a servant. And right there, here's, it's paradox time again. Celebrate and enjoy your freedom by making yourself a servant. What? What? Yeah, exactly. Practice on the people in your home. Enjoy your freedom by finding pleasure in making the lives better of the people in your home. Yeah, but if I do that, they're going to walk all over me. They're going to take me for granted. They're going to take advantage of me. If I just keep rolling over and keep smiling and being kind and polite and patient, if I just keep cleaning up other people's messes. If I just keep washing those dishes, if I just keep doing all that laundry day, you know, every day and t- every two days, if I, if I become like the laundry machine, if I gotta keep vacuuming and vacuuming and vacuuming, they're, they're gonna take me for granted and just throw their litter and their garbage down and nobody's gonna pick up after themselves anymore. I gotta, I gotta go off a few times and yell at them and scold them and I gotta, I gotta teach people a few lessons. I can't just, I can't just humor her in all her moods. She drives me crazy. Like, oh, one day up, one day down. Uh, the safest thing is just to not be around much because then I don't have to deal with her. Constant mood swings. Um, and God says, oh, no, you're going back into slavery. Be there for her. Be her servant. What would, what does she need? Let it bring you pleasure to be there for what she needs. Don't punish him, be his servant. What? Yeah. And I can't think of any better attitude for healing than racially as well, to be each other's servants. That sure was a missing part of the racial story in America, isn't it? But this, I think, is our way out. The entire law, in other words, everything God really wants in your behavior can be summed up in a single command. Are you ready for this? Small drum roll, please. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. That's what we've been seeing for the last couple of months, haven't we? biting and devouring each other. And it it seems like nothing's going to make it stop. But there's a better way. Be each other's servants. So I want to give you a couple examples to kind of wrap this up of how it occurs to me of how I can do a better job loving you and loving the people in our city Even the people I don't understand and the people I don't know, even the people whose behaviors are puzzling to me or even make me angry, I need to love them too. And I got a few suggestions. Suggestion number one about loving each other is assume there is a good motive behind what's driving people's behaviors and try to understand their perspective. Try to get where they're coming from. And that means listening first. Boy, that's hard to do because you and I get our emotions riled up and we got things we'd like to unload on. Listen. Listen first. Because when people who see an injustice think the world is deaf, they start screaming and then do extreme things just to get people's attention. Maybe one of the great services we Christians can do is really get to be known as great listeners that pay attention, that care and love The people of their city and are paying attention to what people are saying. And I say here in particular, here's an awesome moment for white folks, uh, those like I'm white and many of you are are white who are with us today, just to slow down and reflect and think. What a shocking thing for instance, Uh, I don't think for most of my life, I think there's maybe been two or three fleeting little moments when I've been afraid of the police. Uh, when I see, when I'm driving too fast and I see the red lights behind me, that, that's a time when I don't really love the police and I'm scared of them and try to be very polite and kind and everything. But then I don't think about it anymore. And I ponder, what would it be like to have black shoes on, a black person's shoes on, and be walking in, in a black person's footsteps and be af- and if I'm a black male living in a city and I'm afraid of the police every day? I think, holy cow. I I just... It it gives me the, the shivers to think, to imagine what that would be like, to have to live in fear. You're afraid of the police. Or to be a mother of a young male child having that painful conversation about if a policeman stops you just say, yes, sir, no, sir, don't move, let them see your hands at all times. White fathers don't have that talk with their white sons because we don't think we have to. A black mother or a black father will have that conversation with their black male children because they're afraid. I haven't lived with that fear. I need to shut up and listen to people express and tell me the stories of what that feels like and to understand some of the lack of trust that there exists between city people and the the Caucasian cops who still provide a majority of the corrections officers in our city. I got a, a job for black folks too, that you not become exhausted. You might think I'm done forgiving, I'm done letting go of my anger over the past, I'm done muzzling my anger, now it's time to explode. Well. I hope that you are able to find ways to communicate and I hope that you will find people who will listen to share your feelings so you can get it out. But man, I just gotta say, be careful where you go with that anger. If you're part of an angry group of people marching late at night down a street and getting everybody stoked up, there are anarchists and and criminals who will use your angry gathering as a platform uh, to show their contempt for the society we live in and to trash the city and usually the parts of the city that get trashed you know where the trashing goes on it's not in Whitefish Bay it's always on King Drive isn't it? It, it it's always on King Drive it's always on our streets it's like it's like trashing your own home what on earth could anybody have against Walgreens? A lot of older folks and a lot of people who are not well need that drugstore to get them their medications. Why would you trash a service provider? A lot of black folks work at Walgreens. You just trashed their jobs. Why would you loot stores that are providing services? Be glad there's businesses in King Drive. Do you know how long it took to persuade businesses to come back to King Drive after the 67 riots? Every business that could move relocated. The ones that couldn't relocate shut down. And there was nothing left on King Drive for 20 years but liquor stores and bars and occasionally a storefront church. That's the only economic activity in what used to be the second largest commercial area in the city of Milwaukee. As I said right now, Target and Walmart maybe won't go back to the south side of Chicago. Perpetuating an injustice because you're angry about another injustice. Two injustices don't make for justice. So I I just say we gotta be in this together. White folks gotta listen better. We gotta learn more and educate ourselves more to the story of America. Too much of it is just like old stuff. Yeah, that was then, but this is not. No, the reason we've gotten into the messes we're in today, there's causes and reasons for that. Please inform yourselves. And not just learn white folks' stories, but learn the black folks' stories too. And not just what white folks did for black folks, but the stories of overcoming, the stories of personal courage and brilliance, the stories of brilliant people with significant achievements and gifts to American stories. Learn about the achievers as well, and not only the musicians, although America owes an enormous debt to the tremendous musical and poetic and literary talent that black folks have brought, but to all of it, for the science and technology contributions as well. Learn those stories, so that you can speak knowledgeably about them. And I'll kind of wrap this up with just a triple challenge to you. And one is, these things will not happen by themselves. Loving your neighbor, especially the neighbors who are not of your particular tribe, whichever country in Europe your ancestors were descended from, or whichever region of Africa your ancestors were kidnapped from. But the scripture says, accept one another, just as God in Christ accepted you. Love one another. Acceptance and love are choices they don't self-make. You have to choose to do them. And it usually means going up the down escalator. It usually means having to make an effort. Because loving people you don't know or trust is work. Do you accept that challenge? Are you up to it? It takes work to think of things in a different way, to allow someone else to change your perspective, because you don't know everything. Accept one another, love each other as Christ has loved you, and then challenge you to take even a third step. Appreciate one another. The more diverse we are at St. Marcus, the more gifted we are, the more mega tools we got to do our mission, the more spirit is with us. And as a white guy, I want to say to every African-American person in this place, I will never stop being grateful to you for the gifts that you have brought to transform St. Marcus and help us to be even better. We are so much better together. I'm so glad we didn't do what a lot of congregations did uh, in the 50s and in the 60s and relocate, chasing your demographic, but we stayed put and embarked on a mission that, whose outcome was not guaranteed at the time to try to build a multiracial spiritual family. That work, as quoting Brother Ron again, there is a tremendous amount of work that's gone into it in the past, but that work is not done. And my final charge and invitation to you is to rededicate yourselves to building a multiracial Ministry based on appreciation, respect, love, and acceptance going forward, that we will take care of each other, build each other up, and learn how to do this, and then we might be of some use to God in a city that is torn up by fear, suspicion, anger, and injustice. And we can make a difference in sharing with the world what Christ has first given to us. Are you in or not? If you're in, say yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I Yes, I am. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.